Today on the show, I'm joined by Benjamin Steele, and we have a great conversation about living in current times. I have a bonus for those of you who are interested. I recorded video for this episode, so you can go on YouTube and Rumble and not only listen, but watch the episode. I will leave links in the episode description. And if you go on those platforms, please make sure that you like and subscribe, especially on Rumble. That's where I prefer that you guys go because sometimes videos do get pulled from YouTube, but Rumble will not do this. And if I get enough subscribers on Rumble, I can actually do live episodes and take some calls, which would be interesting. And I don't know if I'm going to have video for every episode, maybe just the ones where I have guests, unless you guys would be interested in having video for the solo podcast as well. It is a lot more work and my computer could barely take this. It took me a long time to learn this software to do this. It was my first try. So if there's any mistakes or the lighting isn't so great on my end, it's it's because this was my first time. And if you're enjoying this, please make a donation. Help support this podcast. I rely on the generosity from you, the listeners. And this is how I'm able to keep this going. And now that I add video to it, it's more expensive. I think I'm going to need a newer computer to edit these videos because my computer had some difficulties. So you can go to the episode description and there's a link to my website where you can make a donation or you can go to the website, thestoryofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You can donate in any currency, including Bitcoin to help keep me out of the system. Okay, so let's get to today's episode. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Waheguru Beautiful am I Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone here again. And not only listeners, this episode I'm going to have to also say welcome to new watchers or viewers uh, because this is going to be the first episode that I have live video, and so you can go on YouTube, and I will also put it on Rumble, just in case it gets pulled from YouTube, like uh, many of my, uh, not many, but some of my videos have been uh, pulled, and so you can go on Rumble. I'll li leave the uh, link in the episode description if you want to watch this. Otherwise, you can also download this and listen to this on all the podcast uh, listening devices. And so I thought I would change things up and add some video to make this more interesting. And this is a, our first test. So we'll see how this goes. And I have a guest to join me. And it's a repeat guest, the first repeat guest. So a lot of firsts today. The repeat guest is... Benjamin Steele. Uh, he was on episode 79. So if you want to go back and listen to this one, it's a good episode. Uh, we talked about his background, uh, where he came from, and what he's up to. And he talked about a new training that he's putting together. And so I thought I'd have him back as our first video pod guest. 
so we could talk about how his training went and talk about what's happening in life, because I know that there's a lot of things going on. And when you turn on the news or listen to many podcasts, they're just talking all politics or they're talking from a perspective that is more of the, I guess, mainstream perspective. And I, I like to talk about the stuff from the maybe more yogic perspective where we can not just talk negatively about what's happening, but maybe be constructive about how to deal with it and, and the experiences that you may be having. Because I know me and, and many of the people that I know, and I'm guessing many of the listeners, at least the ones that I have met, are not living the traditional lives. And and this is an issue because, you know, we'll get into this, but it's it's really this system that is trying to push people towards a system. And if you're outside of it, Life becomes a lot more challenging, and so we need to learn how to navigate it. And so we'll talk about this today. I'm really looking forward to talking about this with Benjamin, who's a Kundalini Yoga teacher trainer. He is also a wonderful musician. We've listened to some of his music, and I'll leave links to his music as well. And so he's a musician, and his spiritual journey is rooted and grounded in Rastafari the energy of the jaw lion. And so we've talked about this a little bit also on the last episode. So I highly recommend that you check out that episode 79. So we'll get into a little of his music and welcome Benjamin to the program. Welcome to the first record video recorded podcast. Benjamin, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, brother. Nice to I feel honored <laughs> to be chosen <laughs> as the first. Yeah, the first repeat guest and the first video yeah, double, uh, guest. Yeah. Double honor. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's interesting because I'm sure you've experienced this as well. I I, I remember from our last uh episode that you talked about your family coming from was science background right was it medical or science background my my brother was is a was is qualified as a doctor of biochemistry yeah yeah and you know it's interesting when you're in the yogic uh environment you speak to a lot of people and many people their heads are in the clouds even teachers and they talk they talk and they use these words that are so abstract that they lose their meaning they sound nice and they're very poetic but they're very abstract and you know I come from a kind of a science business background and I was always very practical and so when I teach this is kind of how I teach and so this is one thing that I really enjoy when I I speak with you is that you have this very analytical or practical mind, but also this this heart-centered energy coming from it. And so it's, I, I think you have a great combination of these two energies, which is very rare. Usually it's dominated one or the other. And in fact, I, I, I can admit, you know, I, when I first really got into yoga, I was definitely all from the mind and, and still yeah. quite a bit, but I'm trying to balance this out a little more. And, and this is something that 
you know, you can hear in your voice through your singing, through your music. And uh, yeah, it really comes through. And so this is why I thought you would be a great person to talk about what's happening in, in this world and, and how we can deal with it as, as yogis, or at least as people who are not the traditional householder, the, the people who try to live unique lives to be more mm. expressive. But before we get into that, why don't we pick up where we left off last time? You, you had just started a training, and I think now it's, it's finished. How did this go? Do you want to share some of this experience? Yeah. Yeah, it started at the end of August, uh, the Shadama vision, I called it. And uh, it was designed to start that time because I was looking at the, the astrological alignments. Um, there was a few other components where I needed to align it to a certain time, the solstice, the autumn solstice, and the fact that I wanted to do a, uh, a detox with the, the, the individuals who signed up. And I also wanted to do a panchakarma. So it all had to kind of align to this certain date. So I chose the end of August, and then we had this very interesting time with Mercury retrograde during September, which was pretty intense. Um, but it was a really beautiful flow, and it finished uh, a week ago, a week last Sunday officially, the 10 weeks ended. and. What was interesting was that at the beginning, I, I, I spoke to everybody and I said, when the 10 weeks are up, we'll just continue. So there'll be a, a sense of flow. So you not felt like you're, it's just over kind of thing. So part of the journey was that we, we do a morning practice together at quarter to six. And we, we followed by like a half hour deep meditation. And then there's lots and lots of content that they have to make their way through. And then we have gatherings on a Thursday for the two-hour yoga class. And then we'd gather on the Sundays. And I found, because I was doing the whole process with them, so I was engaging in the careers in the morning and the practice, that I went through a process myself. And I, I did the Panchakarma in October as well, which was was really powerful. Uh, and so when it came to the end of the 10 weeks, <laughs> I needed a bit of time off. I needed just, mm -hmm. I asked them, could you give me a week? Just give me a week to integrate. And uh, I felt like they all needed it too. because it, it was a very intense 10 weeks. Some individuals couldn't get the ball rolling. And that was fine. I said to them, look, you can come and join it again in, in January when I do it again. Um, and I, didn't, I wanted it to be an open-ended process for them so that they could feel like they could just relax into it. But because of the 10 weeks uh, structure, lots of them felt this pressure about, oh, I've got to finish this within this week. And, and then... That was something I've learned from and I'm thinking I need to adjust that on some level, try and make it so they feel much more relaxed and open about it and not feeling this pressure of this needs to be done by this date. 
because that, mm. that really wasn't what the whole thing was about. Some of the visions that they have, that the individuals have come up with, have been really, really touching. Really, really quite. And they're not just little visions, you know, they, they're like big visions that are going to touch the world. So I was really, really uh, profoundly yeah, touched by what they were sharing. And so this experience, was it what you expected or was it a lot different? I've never really taught online before in this way. You know, mm -hmm. for years I was a traveling teacher. And so to then, this is the way it is right now with, with the, the way traveling is so challenged and trainings are limited. And also my personal choice to, to no longer be engaging so much mm -hmm. with the, the traditional Kundalini Yoga teaching system after the allegations, the confirmed allegations. Right. So I wanted to create something for myself. And, and so it had to be online. And okay. It was, it was more than I thought it would be. It, it really right. was profound. And so now you're, you're, you've started, I think, yesterday, you started, or, or today maybe, yesterday when this yeah, podcast it comes today. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, today. Yeah. And yeah. Is, is this the a different 14th, uh, training? The 14th. Is this a different uh, training or the same? Well, no, it's, this came about after the, the 10 weeks, how we all felt like we needed some kind of integration. And over here in Portugal, uh, I'll start again. Well, over in the UK, autumn starts in mm. September. You, you literally feel it within the air. As soon as the 1st of September comes, there's this, shift and you move into the the vata season the air quality but over here in portugal we always have an indian summer you know portuguese summer mm -hmm. you know it will last it will last till the end of october and then all of a sudden november came and you felt the cold and the shift so it changed changed everybody's perception of of wanting to be so much online and wanting to just take a, a time to integrate. So what came to me, I had another idea for a different program, but then I just felt into myself and thought, this isn't, this is too much. It's too intense right now. What everybody needs, what I need is uh, a deep meditative process, if you like. So it's, it's called Rejoice Within the Sweet Root, basically meaning it's a time of rejoicing. It's, it's autumn time. Um, it's time to go within because as, as humans, we're pretty much the only living thing that doesn't hibernate. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of, you know, ignore the, the signs. And then the sweet root is symbolic of the... Within Ayurveda, the concept of the sweetness and sour and salty also, but mainly the sweetness that, that harmonizes the air quality in the body. And so nature provides the, 
the sweet potatoes and the, 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 you know, having apple crumbles and these kind of heavy foods to, to balance the body at this time of year. So it's 40 days of a, an evening meditation and chanting practice for about 40 minutes each in the weekday. And, and now this, this is starting on, on the 14th. Can people still join on the uh, 15th or 16th yeah, more when this than welcome. podcast comes more out? More than welcome. Yeah, okay. more than welcome to, to come, come and join up. It's a, it's a very relaxed affair, and it's something that will just be very soft, as I, as I promoted it. I, it's simple mm-hmm. and sweet and soft and deep. That's how I, I look at it. Yeah, I, I, For listeners, I highly recommend it. Like I said, you could even hear in the way he explains this and the way he talks is he's got a nice balance between this kind of analytical mind with, but coming from this heart center place. And so this is, I think, the gift that he gives in his teaching is that it really comes from the heart, but it doesn't negate the mind. It doesn't ignore the mind. Mm. It has a nice balance, and balance is, is important. I mean, we hear, especially in yoga, all these these terms and all these phrases that sound nice, but really, if you think about what they mean, the meaning is either a contradiction to yoga or or just is, is these words that are, are so abstract, they have no really defined meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear a lot of people, especially female cell, the the future is is feminine. And uh, I say, no, this is wrong. This is the same thing as saying the future is masculine. Mm. You know, you should say maybe we we need more feminine qualities because of the history of, you know, if you go back to the 1950s, and it was definitely a masculine society. The woman stayed at home and and the man really ran the, the show. And of course, we need to go away from this and still to today is to be more balanced. And so to say that the future is feminine is, is just the same as saying it's masculine. That's going to be another problem. You want it balanced. And, and so instead of saying that, you need to find some, some terminology to, to, to articulate this balance that we need to strive yeah. for, not this domination of one energy or the other, because when we talk about femininity or, or masculinity, it, it, there's this in men and women. You know, women can have masculine yeah. qualities. In fact, they need to, and they can have feminine qualities, but it needs to be balanced. And the same thing with the, the men. And so this is what I think people are trying to say when they say, oh, the future is feminine, is, is I think, more balanced. But it's just not the right way to, to I think, articulate this. Yeah, I agree. This. I, I... I've always had this sense of, you know, whatever it may have been, 2,000 years, you, know, you can't really put a time scale on it. But there's this sense of the, the inverted commas, patriarchal mm. time. That, that It's like a pendulum, and when it's been pushed back so far, that when, it, when it's let go, it has to swing all the way to the other side. And I think we're experiencing that now with the the push and and the expression is overly feminine. And Mm. on some level, we need to let that happen, but not 
allow it to manifest in that way as you describe. You know, the the ones who are balanced say, okay, yeah, I am, let's embrace the feminine, but also let hold on that the patriarchal has its place. Mm-hmm. There are aspects of the patriarch that you don't just abandon it completely. You just recognize the ones that have been destructive and the ones that do not support the 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 future of humanity. It's not about just chastising it and and erasing it from our, you know, history or her story. Her, her story. Yeah, it's a it's a balance there. Yeah, I mean, with with everything, there needs to be a balance. You can see this even if we look at today's uh, culture. You know, if you look at politics, you'll have one group will lead and they mess things up so bad, so it swings the other way and, and goes to the other group, and then they mess up so bad, and then it swings back and forth. And this is really <laughs> how nothing gets done because they go from one extreme to the other. You know, one one side is saying yeah. you shouldn't have any abortion. The other side is saying, well, you could have abortion even the day the baby is born. I mean, they go to one extreme to the other, and you say, okay, there needs yeah. to be some balance. You know, you you can't do all of one and none of the other. And I think this is a big problem that we're running into. You have this polarized world where you're on one team or the other team, and whatever the other team says is wrong just because they say it. Yeah. From the culture that I grew up in and the faith I grew up in, it was Rastafari has always kind of embraced this sense of polytricks. Just call it polytricks. Okay. And that there's no, there's no real engagement in it because as you're looking from that place of, you, the yogic teachers would describe it as the self, where you're looking from that neutral place, you just see it as you beautifully described, where four years or eight years it's like this, and then the next period it's not really changed. Um, and But that's not to deny that there, there needs to be structure and system in there. And how we move forward with that in a heart-centered way is, is the real challenge. And I at the pr- at the present time in the political world, I don't really see anybody leading the way f- with the heart. I see it as I see everyone's just making moves that suits their own agendas. Yeah, it's it's suiting their own agenda, and the agenda has nothing to do with the the, the citizens. Is it's yeah. what is going to keep me in power and keep my you know, rivals out of power. And and uh, this is not helping anyone. As you see, nothing really gets done, and the things that get done are so extreme that they're not really helping anyone but a, a small minority of people. When I first started teaching really um, intently, and like how I really embraced the role back in 2009, I did this workshop. And I, I just, I don't know where it came from, it was downloaded, as I called it, the silent revolution. And there's that famous phrase, you know, the revolution will be televised, you know, and I, and I always thought, no, it won't. It'll, it'll just be silent. 
It'll be everybody discovering who they are silently and hopefully from that place people will make the right choices that will then make change. That, that, that's the only way I can, I can see things moving forward with uh, a sense of steadfast connection to spirit or heart or soul. It's not going to be resolved through the mind, through the duality of the mind. Yeah, it, it's interesting because if you look at these, these, just what we were talking about before, you have the feminine and the masculine. If you go too extreme to one way or the other, it doesn't work out. But it's a natural instinct because the, the, it goes to one extreme and then it has to compensate to find some balance. And we saw this you know, throughout history, but just in a recent history, you look at the economic problems of 2008 and this time period where a lot of people lost their jobs and yes. the corporations were trying to push people out of their jobs or reduce their salaries. And the one really positive thing that came out of this is this kind of freelance economy where people said, okay, I'm not going to rely on a corporation because they're going to do what's in their best interest. And okay, that's fine for them, but it's not good for me because I may go through a period in my life where I can't lose my job because I need this money coming in, this mm. economic uh, resources. And so I'm going to create my own situation in life. I'm going to have a couple different jobs. I'm going to take one of my hobbies and get some income from that. I'm going to who drive for Uber or whatever it is, they're going to try to find ways to work for themselves, so to speak. And I think this was the positive balance that came out of this. And, it, and corporations didn't like this because then it pushed the wages higher because then they have to be paid more to be convinced to come back into this environment. And we're starting to see this again, that they're starting to push people out of the system or push them into the system and people who are out of it or who are on the borderline are starting to say, wait a second, I don't want to be part of this. And they took, uh, I don't know what the numbers, exact numbers were in the U.S. of all the unemployed people. And they say, okay, well, these people are not even looking for jobs now. And so why is that? It's because they're trying to find this balance. How can I live my life and not be subjected to this corporate or this even governmental cage that they're trying to put me in. And I think this is going to be the balance that's going to come out of this is people are going to start to create new systems. And we're seeing this with uh, cryptocurrencies. We're seeing this with the online teaching like you're doing. We're seeing this with many more people trying to figure out how do I find my own way. Yeah. I, I mean, I can relate to creating the thing online that I'm noticing that I also need the balance within that. That it's great being able to interact with people online and inspire and share, but I also need the touch of a real aura. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I need yeah. to feel that the, 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 the sound, the resonance of their own voice hitting my eardrum and not coming through a digital platform. Um, and I, I've noticed that that's been a challenge. Uh, and that people are becoming socially anxious oh, about situ 
because of, of, of the anxiety that spending so much time on online, which in reality, when you look at it from the Ayurvedic perspective, it's just vata. It's the air quality going up in the body that creates this this anxiety, this kind of slightly overstimulated nervous system. Uh, that is a if you don't know have if you don't have the knowledge, then you're you're going to have this undercurrent of this buzz of anxiety in your body, or that you, you, you can't quite understand why, and then this develops into. Uh, externally when you're communicating with people as this and and phrases start to be created about you know social anxiety or yeah you know medical terms to describe what is simply just a a vata imbalance Mm -hmm. and when you look to the root of that and understand how to to harmonize it then we we can we can go back to this sense of of uh deep rootedness within your being and in your body that feels relaxed and good strong vagal tone you know whether there's a, a the ability for the body to to relax it's becoming more and more difficult i, I listened to this podcast uh, yesterday and they were reading a study that was done and it was just on uh, countries from the eu and it said I think the time period was the last two years or last three years, something like this. The number of people on antidepressants increased so much. In fact, it went, they're listing it in in per thousand people. So I I think like it would go from, you know, 26 per thousand people to now like 110 per thousand people in many of these countries. Uh, and they went through, and there's a, a list. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure people can look for this on, online. But it's incredible. I mean, think about that just in the two-year period that the number of people basically on antidepressant and I'm sure anxiety medication as well is, is more than tripled, more than doubled at least, but in some cases tripled. And that should tell you that our society is not working properly. Yeah. It's, it's a sad statistic. Yeah. It's uh and and the culture that we live in is that people want a quick fix or or the majority want a quick fix and, and don't understand that well actually, you know, let's go back to the root of of how to take care of the body, understand that the the simple things that it needed to be done to bring a, a uh, the experience of feeling happy and grounded and and relaxed in your own body, um, because when you you know you have a mobile phone and you're connected to it all the time. E- even over here in Portugal, you see where people walking with the phone, you know, not looking where they're going or. Or in restaurants, a couple where they're both sat there and you know disconnected from each other on a phone, and and on some level, you know that's that's the way it is, that's the way it is. But there is a sense of once you know what it's doing to you, then you you have to learn to uh, know how much you should be using it and when to take a break. 
and knowing the effects it's actually having on you, which from my experience, a lot of people don't. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. You know, like you were talking about a few years ago, I was in Amsterdam and, and there was a beautiful, it was a beautiful sunny day. I think I was in the summer, I don't remember. And there's a beautiful park in, in Amsterdam. And so I said, I'm going to go and just sit in the park and, and enjoy the day. And, I, and I, I just started to look and everyone is looking down at their phone. In fact, there was, mm-hmm. I started to try to count how many in, in like the next 50 people who walked by me, how many were on the phone and how many weren't. And what I saw is these groups of kids, you know, like teenagers coming from school and there'd be about 10 of them together, and they'd all be looking at their phones while they're walking together. And I thought, well, I am so glad that I didn't grow up with this technology. Yeah. I mean, I think we are the last generation that grew up, that didn't grow up with this. I mean, it, I can't imagine what it's doing to, to these kids, you know, to, to have this anxiety and have this, this attachment to something where you're constantly trying to entertain yourself through a screen where, yeah. I mean, when we were kids, if you're bored, you go outside and you try to find something to do. You play a sport or you go uh, on a, a walk somewhere or whatever you do, but it was spending time with pe- kids, people. And, yeah. uh, and it was really learning these social skills. In fact, there was this one doctor who was saying that the younger generation don't have this, the proper social skills to even learn how to date properly and meet people. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there's a lot of problems with this. You know, they're watching so much pornography and then they don't know how to approach girls or, or whatever it is because of they're not in this, in this uh, environment. And, and we don't even know what the, the long-term effects of this are going to be, but I, I can imagine that uh, we're, we're going to see it. And not, not just the long-term effects of this, but then the long-term effects of what's happened the last two or three years. I think this, we haven't even touched the surface with what, how this is going to affect our population. Yeah, this, what's happening to the, the youth and the children with technology, I can see it uh, with my stepdaughter. And, and they struggle. They really do struggle. Then the... the mm-hmm naturally developing nervous system is being trained to work like this there's no sense of you know kick back and look at the stars it's a the the mobile phones work so move so quickly you know and through the apps and through the the imagery that is promoted because if you when you watch a promotion of certain things, images move so quickly and it's encoding the nervous system to become very uh, short in its attention span. Um, and I mean, I've gone on there to look at it and experience it, what it does to my nervous system. But when you go on TikTok, oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is the, you know, Facebook for the youth is that's for the oldies you know it's yeah, like tiktok where yeah and it's you, you experiencing it to the nervous system you think wow is that what they're having to deal with and then when you've got no techno inner technology to deal with that 
and you're not eating the right foods and the water that you're drinking is not the best, it's soon going to start to create a scenario where uh, the body will become quite unhealthy very quickly when it should be in that, you know, that vital 20s where you're experiencing your stepping out into the world. And instead, you're kind of like dealing with all these social anxiety and, and, and this increase in the, the vata element that isn't, yeah, it's a, it's a strange scenario. Well, it's interesting, you know, the TikTok in, in the, the West plays these silly videos and stuff, but in, in China, the TikTok only shows things that are of science and like educational things. It's very okay. different. That's what I've heard, yeah. But um, yeah, there, there needs to be this, this way to connect with the self that, that isn't reliant on this technology and the, these things because it, it is creating problems, especially if you want to learn how to come from the heart to connect with people yeah. and you're dominated by this, this computer culture, this technology, which, you know, in just like everything, there's a balance. There's nothing good or bad about anything. It's the value that we give to it, right? This, this idea of emptiness in Buddhism, it's the value that we give to it. And so when you're using, you know, the internet, we can use it for many ways and say, okay, this is great. It's adding value to my job. I'm, I can do my own business. I don't need to hire a corporation to do all the stuff for me. This is a good aspect. But then you find yourself staring into that computer too long and you say, okay, I need to take a walk. I need to go into nature. I need to talk with someone in, in real life or even just to be with But you someone. recognize that. Yeah. You, know, you recognize that switch off. But my stepdaughter, she's getting much more attuned to that. But that's only because we're actually saying, you know, continually reminding her. But if the parent doesn't even have that, to, to reflect that to them, then the, the whole family is moving forward in this really unhealthy scenario, dynamic of, of imbalance and, and overstress to the nervous system. Yeah, and like I said, we're the last generation who knows what it's like to be without this technology. And so once we pass, then it's going to be gone if people don't learn how to do this and pass yeah. it down because we're really the, the last generation that spent most of our, our youth, or all of our youth really, up until I think in 90, 1994 is when I first went on the internet, 93, 94, and what was I, like 26, 27 years old by then. So yeah, it, mobile mobile phones started to appear, albeit not with the the internet, but they started to appear, texting, yeah, and yeah. taking your attention. Um, yeah, uh, and I mean, on some level, I've noticed that the, the I mean, I'm, I won't, I won't, don't want to use the word guilty, but I'm. It's just the scenario that we find ourselves in where you're. You're sharing the, you're attempting to impart the emptiness, the, the, the connection to source, whatever you want to call it, through technology. Mm -hmm. And so, there, like, take for example, there was an app that I downloaded a long time ago, and it was, it was a revelation for a Kundalini yoga teacher or someone practicing, because you could set up these bells that would ring. And I won't name it. 
because I don't want to don't want to uh, cuss them out in any way. But over a period of time, they changed the platform, and now it's all about seeing how many people are meditating on, across mm. the world, and it, and it, everything about your practice is engaged into the phone, and. I recognized it very quickly and, and rejected it. I still use it as a timer, but I don't want my, I don't want to be totally engaged in the virtual world with spirit. I, it needs to be on a human face-to-face -face level as well. We can't lose that. No, it, it's tough because you go and you post something on social media and you say, oh, how many people like this? And it's that, that feedback that people are looking for. And uh, it's it's something that's difficult. Oh, why didn't this post get so many likes and that other post did? And, and <laughs> there's companies who you pay to analyze this stuff. Yeah. And and I, I finally, I'm pretty much off of social media now, which to the detriment, I'm sure, of my podcast and my my workshops. But that's I, it. I, yeah. I, you know, I I I finally just came to the point. I said, you know what? If not as many people listen to the podcast or come to my workshops, but my health is my mental health is better and I'm not wasting my time yeah. on this. I'm fine. Yeah, I kept the accounts because some of the people send me messages through there and I don't have other ways to communicate with them. So I'll go maybe once a week to see if anyone sent me a message. And I'll I'll do this. But uh it's it's not really healthy. It, 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 I mean, especially this is for adults. I'm an adult but I can imagine what it's like being a, a kid. You know, you remember going to school and go, okay, this is the popular group. This is the unpopular group. But now you're having this confirmed in, in, in statistics. This person has this many followers, this many, this person has, you know, this many likes and, and this can't be healthy for kids. On some level, I, th I do believe in the youth. I do believe that they're the ones that are going to make the change. Because they're on some level, I think that they're gonna they're gonna cotton on quickly that it isn't satisfying, that it isn't providing them with happiness, and that on some level we we do have to embrace the technology and not reject it. We've just got to find a much better balance with it, whilst being able to fully know how to take care of this biological organic machine that we're living in um and so i i do believe that they will come through and and find ways to harmonize it there will be a generation that will be completely absorbed by it and lost that that that's a a, a sad scenario that i've in my heart i've had to embrace or well, not embrace, but uh, accept. accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not embracing it, but accept that there's going to be there's going to be a, a generation that are going to get really lost. Well, it's it's like this. Everything is a vibration, and what happens is our body is constantly, unconsciously, and consciously reacting to the change changes in our vibration. Right, everything you think, everything you say, everything you see causes a vibration, right? And so that vibration is caused by your conscious or unconscious acknowledgement of it and reaction towards it. So if it's you see something that reminds you of something you don't like, you have this vibration, and then this vibration we call it a feeling, but it's a vibration, 
And then mm-hmm. this vibration blocks parts of the prana from flowing through the body and disrupts this. And, and then what we do is we try to manage these vibrations. We do this by engaging in behaviors that distract us, that change our consciousness through drugs or alcohol, or, or we overeat or we sleep too much or we do these things to try to manage these feelings. And I think this technology in, in, uh, with what's happening in society is creating this vibration that people can't manage and it comes out as neurosis, right? Do you see neurotic people? What's, what do they have difficulty doing is being still and being silent. It's because they're trying to manage all the vibrations that are happening and there are too many because they're not really facing them. And so we're starting to see this come into our society, all these neurotic uh, projections, you know, and they're they're coming in saying, "Oh, we need to have fourteen or twenty four pronouns and and all these ways that people are managing." In fact, well, you you laugh, no, but 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 uh, the we're on this platform here, the platform that we were on before. I don't know if you noticed this that when we did the last interview, it asked you to put your pronouns in, and and I I and one time they they came to me and they said, oh, we just updated our platform. What do you think of it? And I wrote to them. I said, please take this pronoun stuff off. I don't want my uh, the people I interview to have to think about this. I don't want them to see this. And uh, they, of course, they couldn't do it, and they didn't do it. Yeah. But this is neurosis. It, it, it's, it's wanting people to acknowledge your sexual proclivities when they talk to you. I don't care if you're sleeping with the same sex, the opposite sex, or both, I, I don't care. Uh, do what you want as long as it doesn't harm me, but don't make me acknowledge this. It's not my business, just like it's not your business who I'm sleeping with or who I'm, you know, I, I'm attracted mm. to. And and it's this neurosis that we're seeing in society that it's it's this narcissism that's coming out. And this is because of social media, because of reality TV, because of the Kardashians, because of all—I mean, look at the the Kardashians. What is she like? The richest female in in the world for what? I mean, of course, you look at her and she's doing a lot of business. But how did she get this way? Is from 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 just social media, from pornography tape that came out, or whatever it is, and from the silly reality show. And so, kids that grow up and see this, this is what they say: "Oh, the society is rewarding people who act like this. So I need to act like this, and I need to do something that's different." And this is why you go to some of these these Twitter pages or whatever, and they have, oh, the, these people saying, well, I invented a new pronoun. My pronoun is this. And you're saying, what? <laughs> what, what is going on? Yeah, there's a sense of, uh, a, there's a movement, if you like, that's trying to resolve the world's problems through the duality of the mind. Mm-hmm. And it's missing, it's missing compassion. It, it, it's it, it's never going to be resolved as some kind of utopian mental construct of let's all take care of each other by looking after looking at how you really want to be described and expressed and making sure that everyone adheres to all that and and it, it's it's almost like putting cotton wool around everyone um so it's missing the heart it's missing the heart period and and that that's something that it it 
is only going to come through that me- kind of meditative experience of of uh, whether that's through yoga or Buddhism or, or whatever it may be, and yeah, and, and it's a it's a it's a touchy subject that you have to handle on some level with kid gloves and and but have your uh, your your stance with it. Yeah, you're you're right. It has to. We have to learn how to be focused from the heart. But the one thing that I I think, if you look at these people who are, are in my opinion, very extreme in these cases, I don't mm. think many. I don't think all of them. Maybe there's a small group of them, but I think most of them are doing it because they think this is the best way in their heart. They think this is coming from the heart. They think that they're trying to spread love, and this is the way to do it. And and I don't think they're doing it maliciously for, for most people. But just like we said before, everything needs balance, and you can't ignore one for the other the same way you can't ignore the masculine for the feminine and the feminine for the masculine. We look at the mind, and the mind is the same way. We have the positive mind, we have the negative mind, and we have the neutral mind. And we need to learn how to balance that positive and negative mind so we're coming from the neutral mind but projecting it from the heart. And this is what's missing, because people are either coming to this extreme intellectualism, or they're coming from this overly positive mind or this overly negative mind, and then even if they are coming from the heart, it's misguided. Yeah, it's trying to protect the feelings that individuals feel. And, you know, on that deeper level of, of the yogic journey, there's that we I think we touched on it in our last video. Um, the the essence of vichara, you know, that where you the self inquiry of, of I, well, I'm I'm not the mind, I'm not the feelings that I experience, I'm not the emotions. So therefore, you know, you remove all these things, and what is left, and you're left with this, you know, this unchanging awareness that I, and. The yogic journey, seeming yogic journey, is the the identification with that unchanging stillness, than rather than the moving reality of of senses and emotions and elements. And so, when you're then creating this scenario where you go, no, you can't say this because it will hurt my feelings. And we've just ascertained that you are not your feelings. So if you're overly identifying with your feelings, then we're going down a road that is going gonna, is gonna to be very difficult to come back from because then we're, we're, we're going to have to create lots and lots of mental constructs to deal with all the emotions that we feel instead of having the courage to go into the meditative mind, into the heart, and feel the emotions and, and integrate them and use creative endeavors. Because that's what creativity is for, in my opinion. Creativity is there so that you can, you can work through the feeling, work through the emotion, and give it form, give it expression. Like, and the greatest art and music and cinema and writing, that's what it is, it, isn't it? It's yeah. come from that, I'm, I need to make sense of these feelings and emotions that I have. 
um, but not in a way where you're you wanting to identify with it strongly. You're actually wanting to to transcend it, and that that's the difference. I feel that there's a transcendence of it in that. But when you're going through this way of you're wanting to identify with it strongly that I am this, and um, I am this, and mainly it seems to be around sexual identification. And and like you described, it's a free world. You can identify with as you want, but when you're then starting to try create the external world to align to your identification, it's a road that's going to lead to trouble. And it's it's not a road that I want to walk. Yeah, it's interesting because I I don't really like this word emotions or, or yeah emotions because we have this idea of emotions, and it's a, a very small spectrum. I can be happy, I can be sad, I can be uh, nervous, whatever it is, but it's a very small spectrum. And what is an emotion? But like I said, it's a vibration. Everything is vibration. And these vibrations are in reaction to the way that you perceive your existence, the way you perceive what is happening in your life because you may have some trauma or some experience from a past life, and then you see something that reminds you of it, and you react and have this vibration, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, whatever it is. And the current society is saying, well, you triggered me. This, This word triggered me, or this is hate speech. It's triggered me. And we have to understand the purpose of these vibrations or these feelings are not to dictate our behavior, but to focus our attention. If you're feeling something very strongly, the first thing you should be thinking about is, why do I feel this so strongly? You know, I can, someone can say to me, say, I'm fat. And to me, it has no effect because I know I'm not fat. I don't have any history of eating disorders or anything like this. So it just sounds something silly. But if I'm going through a period of my life where I'm not eating healthy, I'm not taking care of myself and not exercising, I may weigh the same exact amount, but someone says I'm fat, I may get ashamed, I may feel hurt, I may feel sad, or whatever it is. And it's it's not because of what this person said, because at one point what they said it didn't have any effect on me, and the other it did is because of how I feel about myself. And so yeah. these emotions, or things that we call emotions, these, these vibrations, are based on self-judgment. And they're based on judgment of the self and the reaction to how you feel about yourself in relationship to this world. And if we understood this better, then we can start to use this as a, as a flashlight. Whenever I feel something very strongly, the first thing I think about is, okay, how is this related to what's going on in my history of my karma, my, my habit patterns, whatever it is, my, my addictions, my, my proclivities? And then you start to see the relationship and you say, okay, now I see why this is happening like this because I'm reacting because maybe in my childhood— I had this happen to me, and this is a reminder of it at some level. And this is what people go to uh, therapy for, is to learn how to associate these vibrations with the words of what the feelings are and the experiences that brought them upon them and why it's happening to them. And at an intellectual level, people are quite good at doing this when they go to therapy, but they don't really change the behavior because they don't really know how to put it into practice. And then they also stick to this very small spectrum of what we call emotions. 
And there's a vibration, a feeling that is representing many things that are beyond what we understand as emotions. You know, you have a dream and you wake up and you feel uh, sad or you feel angry or you feel happy, but you can't quite remember that dream, but it left this imprint on you and it left this emotional imprint. And then we have some dreams that we feel a different vibration. You know, like if you have a dream that's warning you about some habit patterns that you're not dealing with, which is typically what happens because it's the unconscious unconscious kind of conflicting, it has a particular feeling. But there are some dreams that you have that are related to past lives, related to the future, and they have a very different vibration. And what you need to do is not go away from these vibrations, but to tune yourself into the subtleties of it. Because the more you can be present with it, and, and when I say present with it, I mean not reacting. Because when you react, you're not getting into the subtleties of it. You need to be still to feel the subtleties of this vibration to start to understand the roots of it. And yeah, so I, I think I've, this is I've, what we're missing is I how resonate. to deal with this. How, to, how to, to deal with it, but the, the, it's like, well, why do we have to deal with it is also yeah. a question that, that people don't, I feel that, I'm putting my head on the block here, in a way that that's where there's a sense that people, I get the sense, I'll speak for myself, I get the sense that people feel religion has failed them in that way, because in a way that's what religion was for. Was, was this, it was a compass to whatever that may be, the afterlife or to reach heaven or just however, a- yeah, whichever faith mm. that you choose. And, and that was the purpose of why you th- would then want to face the, the reaction from the trigger. But if you don't have that purpose of, of, of goal per se, then you're not going to want to look at it. It ends up just being swept away and then, well, let's create a a utopian kind of mental projection of the world. And and that's, that's where I see it moving to. So there has to be a purpose of why I have to face this emotion. Yeah. That, and that in a way that's where you know, that's where religion which has, has failed and mm. needs to change its delivery. This is where yogic teachings are attempting to do that. And, and as you described at the beginning, make it much more earthy and grounded and understandable than not using the, you know, the, the terms that are just deceiving uh, in a way. It has to be something where it's the, you're going to do this, and it's going to take you to this, and it's going to it's going. This is this is the way of happiness, or the way to feel happiness in your life. Um, and so the question, you know, maybe this is what we can answer: is how do we go about doing that? As yeah. as as yogis and as teachers, how how do we? bring that to the world because that, that for myself that is what i've in a way taken on board as a as a life as, mm-hmm. as part of my life to tr- attempt to bring that to the world not as some kind of you know missionary where everyone has to align to it 
No, it's a case of sharing it and then attempting to be a living, living embodiment of it so that people yeah. then say, wow, I, I, I want to be like Armajit or like Benjamin or like whoever it is um, because they seem to be very calm and very grounded and, and healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, they look healthy. <laughs> they have a good relationship to technology. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, when you talked about the religion, is what I see that religion did for people is it showed them that there's something bigger than them. Even whatever religion they picked is that there's something bigger than them to focus on. Yeah. And so then, but I think this is where we're going wrong in this world we're in now because since, like you said, many people don't have religion, the religion becomes their ideology. Yeah. And so their ideology becomes bigger than everything, and it's their ideology, so it's more important. And then they take it personally when you're not following it. This is how we get to this place that you could yeah. never have imagined as being, you know, 20 years ago, where people are saying, yeah, you should censor people if they don't have the right opinion. And I, I don't know about yeah. you, but I— this is this blows my mind that people actually are calling for censorship. You know, it, it, it's saying, "Well, this is hate speech, so it should be censored." And it's saying, "No, no, it, 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 every nothing should be censored unless it's you know, of course, inciting violence or, or telling people to kill someone." But you need to have this this idea of of this freedom, and that there, instead of saying, "Okay, this is my ideology," and so this is the focus, is to focus. And this is the same thing when I tell people when they're trying to recognize the truth about themselves is look for the permanent. Look for the things that don't change. Anything that changes is not you. And if you're focused on anything that changes, you're bound to suffer. I mean, this is typical Buddhism, right? Because anything that changes it's is— it's so easy, though, isn't it, when you describe it like that? It's just so, so easy. Yeah, I mean, this is like not a so easy G. in practice. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah it, well, it's know. not so easy because it, we get, we have these strong karmic ties to the behaviors that cause are these these vibrations, right? We have these strong karmic ties to this yeah. vibration, but, and and so we're we're kind of living this, and we in fact we've had these for so long and so many lives that we consider many of these aspects our personality. We say, oh, I'm a shy person, or I'm this person. You go, no, no, this is a reaction. This is not who you are. And we do this. And so you, what I tell everyone is, is look for what is not changing. Anything that changes, don't react to. You can act upon it, but don't react. Learn how to act with, with the understanding of what is happening and why you're reacting, why you have this inclination to react to it. And at the beginning, you know, we, we talked about a lot about the state of affairs in the world and the way it's structured. Um, and that what you're describing is, is not so easy to actually find the time in your day to actually do when you're plugged into technology and, and your, your, your whole life towards earning a living overpowers the sense of a moment where you can stop and be still and, and be with this, this feeling that you're avoiding and, and stopping the projection outwardly to, well, it was them that, it was him or her that triggered me. Yeah. And it's so, 
without looking into it and then inquiring into it, you then go about your day blaming that individual as, as the source of your feeling rather than taking the time to meditate or stop and, and designing your life around that also, you know, because I know you've most probably done that. I certainly have. Mm. I've designed, I've per- purposefully designed my life so that I can have time to stop yeah. and, and feel and integrate this because is I know that I'll be become a, a better human being from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if you know my my story, but I grew up uh, middle class, lower middle class, and then when I was sixteen, seventeen years old, I was living in my car. I was yeah. homeless in my car, and and uh, and I remember, yeah, I think it was about seventeen years old, saying, "Okay, I'm never going to be poor again. I'm going to get myself out of this. I want to be rich. <laughs> you know, I'm American then." And I, and, I, and I think there's a lot of the American culture that I, I really appreciate, which is the opportunity to, to be able to do what you want to do and, and uh, the, you know, many of these aspects. And so I, I went through, you know, a very difficult part and went through over 10 years of education and started working on Wall Street and making very good money. And in fact, many of the friends that I was working with that I was making more than them are, are millionaires now, and I would have definitely been there. And once I got to be making all this money and I got comfortable, I had a nice car, I was living by the beach, I said, I'm not happy. And and I reminded me of, of what Osho said. As he says, self-realization is for the rich. Because until you're rich, you think all your problems are because you're 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 poor because of your economic situation. And and when he was talking about rich, he wasn't saying a millionaire, but just comfortable, you know, when you're this way. Yeah. And it's true. And so when you start to have lots of money and then you still don't feel good, then you're forced to look inside or, or become very neurotic. And so then I started to get more involved in yoga and this type of stuff. This is about the time I started really getting into meditation. And I, I quit. I walked away from this, this career, this career path. And it was psychologically, wow, I, in the, the two years that I left, I went through so much of, of ups and downs and trying to understand what was really happening and the unconscious was really de- developing. And, and I had such great experiences yeah. and really learned a lot from stepping off this path that I would have never learned probably if I stayed on that path because I had to suffer a certain way or I had to look at life a certain way. And this is another thing that really got me out of one of the deepest depressions I was ever in, and it was about a year after I left this corporate world where you start to lose your, your former identity of being successful. And I, I was in this deep depression. It lasted over a year, and it felt like I was dying, literally felt like I was dying inside. And it was really bad. And then finally, I started getting into Buddhism. And I remember the 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 introduction to the the book that I, I was reading. And they say, suffering is a holy truth, and it's through suffering that you're able to liberate yourself. And that with, and, and also that with the idea of this impermanence, that anything that changes is going to change. Don't attach yourself to it. And it, I started to get out of this, and within a month or two after reading this, I was out of this depression because I started to understand what was happening within me and how to identify in, in a deeper way with, with myself. And I think 
we look at society, I mean, it, it, we've created the society that's so dominated by power and money that many of the people like you and me, and even just the average person, we try to ignore it. We try to ignore the politics. I, I went through the last, up until three years ago, I went about 10 years without reading any news. I took it out of all my fees. I, I, I said, I don't want to mm. know about this stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. But then the last three years, things started to affect me personally. And I said, okay, I want to understand what's going on. And you see the absurdity of the governments. I mean, uh, whether it's in the UK or the EU or definitely in the US. I mean, look at, we have a, a president in the US who is, by all, all appearance, is suffering. And, and I, I, I yeah. mean, you know, my father had Alzheimer's. And so I, I can recognize the, some of these, these attributes and, and the beginning aspects of it. And they're talking about him running for re-election. And so you start to say, well, why would someone want him to, to do this? And who's really running this world? If, if, it's, if this guy can't have a conversation that's on a teleprompter, he can't read it off the teleprompter, what intellectual conversation is he having when they say he's going to meet with uh, Putin to have a discussion? I, I can't imagine what that discussion is like because Putin, whether you think he's a good guy or a bad guy, he's a very intelligent guy and a very well-spoken guy. And the same thing with with uh, was the the guy in China. She, what's his name? But uh, when they say, "Yeah, Biden is going to meet with them and speak," you just wonder what does that look like. I can't imagine this <laughs> this being real. And we look at the the, the election that happened just a, a few days ago in the U.S. and it's absurd. I mean, you look at why people voted certain ways and who they voted for. There's a woman who was running, I think it was governor, and the, her opponent said, let's have a debate. And she said, I don't want to debate. <laughs> now, think about that. If you're going to vote for one of two people and the one person says, I don't want to debate, who are you going to vote for? Just knowing that alone would be uh, the person who is going to debate because they're not afraid to speak up. They're not afraid. Why is that other person afraid? And who's winning? The person who didn't want to debate is winning. So, and then you have another election, another uh, election where the the one guy is a doctor, a, a surgeon, and the other guy had a heart attack and is is having brain problems. He can't even he can't even speak properly. He can't communicate. He can't. And they had a debate with him, and you can see it. I mean, instead of saying hello, he said goodbye. He, he was getting confused with the words. He just started yelling out, and he won the election, and the doctor didn't. So when we have a society like that, how do we, we heal this? Because one thing that I've noticed within myself, and I know if I'm suffering from something and I'm not so attached to the corporate world or to, to the, the typical world, that a lot of people are suffering from this. And I see it. And all the people I talk to is this lack of meaning in life, this lack of direction, this lack of purpose, because you look at these things and you start to say, well, what is the purpose? And I think uh, you see this a lot with the younger generations. We were speaking about that they're still living at home at 30, 40 years old. They're, they don't have any drive because they don't see the purpose because you see this, this silliness that's happening in our political world. You're saying, well, what do we do and how do we heal this? And the one positive thing is going back to that, that study about the antidepressants increasing, the same study. They did a test. They took one group of people that took no uh, antidepressants, and they 
gave them this mindfulness meditation for anxiety and this type of stuff. And the others, they took the, the medication. And guess who did better? The, the group who did, no med- who did meditation. And so right there tells you that these medications are not even working. And, and uh, but how do the, we heal this this world? I mean, the the sovereignty of of the human body, uh, its ability to to regenerate, be healthy, has has been eroded. But that that's I can see over the last twenty thirty years that there's this shift of people don't understand and trust the capability of the human body what it's able to actually do when you take care of it, when mm. you nurture it and nourish it with right food, right habits, what it's actually capable of. And once, you, once you've let go of that faith, you, you will then look elsewhere. And, and that has moved into this realm of relying on science. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, it's a balance always mm. here. So there's the place for science, but when you l- let go of that faith of the ability of the human body to provide, because a lot of the chemicals that are put into the body for in the Western medicine, the, the body can already create itself when you take mm. care of it. Um, but it, ne- it takes time, it takes responsibility. And it takes a a self-care and love and patience. And there's this, I've felt this movement of a relinquishing of responsibility and just looking to someone else to help me take care of myself. And that, that needs to shift. That, that, that shift back to, I want to take my own sovereignty back. I want to be able to take responsibility for my own health. How can I do that? Okay, let's look at the steps. And one that you described there, where you just begin in simple meditation, learn to calm mm. the breath, calm the nervous system. What am I going to put into the body that's going to bring a harmonizing to it? And, you know, through yogic teachings and whether that's Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, whatever it may be, I particularly like resonate more with Ayurveda because there's so many ways that you can help yourself with it. It's little things that you can do that harmonize your body. And, and you start to develop this uh, sense of empowerment within your own being that I, I'm, I'm feeling good and it's because of what I did that makes me feel good. Not because what I took or put into my body from the doctor that makes me feel good, and that that be that then starts to switch the, the whole perspective, um, and you become much more self reliant. And I'm noticing as well when you were talking about your making your shift from the corporate world into into yoga after the deep depression. I'm starting to see more and more people are valuing the con the they're not even, they're not even concepts the quality of being strong, being caring, being patient, being kind, being a good listener, 
And it, it's almost like, and I'm also seeing it slowly moving through the social media and other aspects of YouTube videos that I watch, where people are also resonating more with that. They're all also seeing that those qualities are much more appealing in these times than I've got a fast car, I've got I'm earning this is my bank balance, this is my how many social media following I have. And that whatever you want to call it, the age of Aquarius or Mm. moving into the heart, people are resonating more with the fact that those are good qualities of being a human being. And someone who has those qualities is someone to be... um, listen to that's as far as i would go i won't say i don't want to say followed or you know devoted to just just listen to so that you can then embody them in yourself because going back to the the statement i said religion has failed us in a way that that we we projected our image of our own sovereignty onto something else whether that be jesus christ buddha Muhammad, peace be upon him, etc. There's a projection externally onto some other thing and not seeing that that individual that we are feel a devotion to and inspiration from, we are that also. I agree. I, I think people Those are really qualities. starting to, to wake up to, to dealing with the, the, the mental and physical health. I mean, mental health awareness is becoming more mainstream. And the push of natural mental health approach, yeah. you know, is, is is starting to become more popularized. And and I think this is positive and I see this really moving strongly. The thing that I find people still having difficulty with, including myself, is that the society has become so absurd and th- that it's become so mainstream that it's hard to not interact with it. And I'll give you an example. As I went to the doctor the other day, and uh, it, of course I'm in Germany, which is uh, has a history of following rules and, and not thinking about the rules. And, and unfortunately, it didn't learn from its previous mistake. But uh, I went to the doctor, and so the way that this worked is I had to go to the lobby of the doctor with one of those covid test the disposable covid test and you take it in the lobby while the, the nurse or i don't know if she's even a nurse but they watch you and then you wait there for five or ten minutes and you get the results and if they're negative then you go up to see the doctor okay i'll, I'll play this game even though it's the flu whatever it is it's not that that strong however i take the test i'm negative and i go up and they go oh you have to put your mask on and i go why why did I take that test? Well, you took it to show that you don't have COVID. Okay, so then why do I have to wear a mask? Oh, this is the rule. <laughs> Wait a second. The whole purpose of the mask, which doesn't even work, we can look at the studies and argue about this, but even if it did work, I'm not sick. Will you have the results here? I'm, you're the only one I encountered, and obviously you probably did the same thing earlier today, and I'm only going to see the doctor who's sitting behind a plexiglass wall, which is, is incredible. What is the purpose of me wearing this mask? Oh, you just have to do it. I said, I'm not going to do it. I just took your test. I played this game. 
why do I have to do this? Give me one good reason and I'll do it. And they, they, oh, this is just the way it is. I go, that's not a reason. You're just stating something. And, uh, and this isn't just really isolated to Germany or isolated to the doctor's office, but this is throughout our society now. You know, there's become this absurd thing, like we talked about before the interview here is, you know, I got one of my videos pulled down from YouTube and I said, okay, well, tell me why I got it pulled down. What did I say that was not correct? And they couldn't do it. And that still got pulled down. This is the difficulty that I think many people are encountering is this, if this is what's happening, what is the meaning? What is the purpose? And I find a lot of people losing direction. And even my, myself, I went through this period over these last couple of years where I said, okay, I need to look at doing something in a different way to kind of revitalize my, myself because I'm not seeing any meaning in what I'm doing. I'm not seeing this purpose of, of you know, if I'm helping people, then I still got to deal with this, this silliness outside of my, my, you know, teaching or my writing or whatever I'm doing to express myself. What is the purpose? And I, I see this with friends. I see this with people that come to counseling for me is this lack of direction and, and almost a lack of hope. And uh, how do we deal with this when the society is not going the correct way? It's continuing down this path. I feel we have to be resolute within our own firm stance of, of, of heart, of, of being rooted in, in the morality, the natural morality of being human. And, and like you did then where you, you reflected that actually this doesn't compute, so I'm not going to abide by it. And that was a small example. But the more that we have individuals that just stand up in that way as if to say, well, no, that, that's like a, almost like a dictatorship. You're saying I must do that because that's the rule, but you can't show me what definitively why I must do that. And that's only going to come from that intuitive connection where you just know that it's not right. And the, the, the more people that have that resoluteness to, to be able to, to stay that uh, is going to just create this, the, the, the gentle pushback, you know, that, that is needed. But uh, if we're, I don't feel that the world is just, you know, succumbing and surrendering. There is, people are finding the boundary and breathing into it. And because there's a council culture going on. Yeah. Right. Well, Where yeah. you, if you, if you say something and you're, you're providing for your family, your entire family, by what it is that you do online or et cetera, or whatever it may be or the work that you do that has certain rules that say you must do this, this, and this, and then you cross them. And then you, if you cross them, you get cancelled. Mm -hmm. you, you lose your job or your channel gets removed. And so it, th there's a, it, it's a difficult one where, where, where do, do I actually stand in, in my affirmity of my morality and beliefs that I feel are right for humanity, but knowing that then I'm going to get cancelled and I yeah, might lose well, my income. That, that, the, that the is part, the scenario that people are, are finding themselves in. 
but I, I think it's even bigger than this cancel part. I agree with you with this, but yeah, I think that's it just goes, the for, fra- for that's me, the phrase yeah. that they've given it. Yeah, it's not yeah, mine. But, but I, I, for me, the thing that makes it even worse is okay. I'm going to eventually have to go back to that doctor if I need medication to to in, submit to this this silliness because I need to get medication, right? Yeah. But even deeper than this, imagine I get into some kind of accident or I have cancer or I. I have some problem with an organ and I have to go to the hospital. How can I rely on the judgment of someone who is following this nonsensical rules? And the doctors are no different than these nurses who are doing this. They're the same way. I've talked to them. And in fact, one of them, I was at another time, I was in the lobby at the doctor's office after getting the test and I had no mask on and there was no one in the the waiting area with me. And the doctor walked by and yelled at me. And my thing was, okay, this guy's an idiot, but he's a doctor. So when I go to the doctors, how can I trust anything that they say? And this is what I think is the biggest result of all this is how can you trust anyone these days? How can you trust that their words are their words? Because you, me, and and a handful of other people are going to say, I'm not going to submit to this because I know it's right. And I'm going to, even if it makes my life more difficult. But the people who have these positions now are the people who didn't go against this. And they're not going to go against it, whether it's because they don't understand the truth or because they understand the truth, but they don't want to lose the income because they're supporting their family and they're afraid. Either way, you can't rely on the judgment of professionals anymore when it comes to going to the doctors, for example. And and that's why we have to take back our own sovereignty and, and, and spend our time in a way researching and learning and discovering about ourselves instead instead of the friv- there's a time and place you know for netflix and watching movies mm. but but losing yourself in that no take it, it really is a time where everybody has to dig deep and and look into yourself and discover about yourself and and then that be, creates a new culture in a way of learning from each other and finding joy within that rather than this this frivolous watching endless netflix mm. gouging on food and on on the couch and and creating a a disharmony in your body that that means that you then have to go to the doctor mm. and i watched well, a, i watched a very i watched a very disturbing podcast it was a joe rogan podcast the other uh-huh. last week which one? About the big, I can't remember, I'd have to research it again, but it was about the big pharmaceutical companies and how the way that they, they have a, a budget yeah. for a particular drug that they're wanting yeah. to promote. And then when the, it has a certain time limit when it would run out, and when that is running out, they can't then reapply. So they have to repackage the drug that mm-hmm. they wanting to keep promoting and keep the doctor from signing and giving to the patients. Yeah. And so what they do is that they, they add another little drug to it and then mm. repackage it as something else. And then they get another whatever time of period where they yeah. can then meet their figures and make lots of money. And you had these pandemics in America where people are becoming addictive to these drugs mm-hmm. because the doctors are are handing them out, but the 
the new form that it's coming is coming in a, a dangerously high dosages that is making them extremely addictive. And so the, the only way I see it to be stopped is that people have to take their sovereignty back. And I remember years ago, I, I can't remember who the individual was. He was a famous uh, sports star in the UK. I think it might have been Eric Cantona, actually. Yeah, Eric Cantona, the famous footballer from Manchester United. He said that if everybody took all their money out of the bank, went to the bank and asked to take their money out, then the banking system would collapse because they wouldn't have enough money for it to be sustained. And, and that would, that's the only way to, to destroy the, the centralised banking system. Now, what, where I'm going with that, I'm not say, suggesting that we do that. I'm just saying that the, the, that sense of owning your own power is only going to come from removing yourself and removing the trust in, in, in the external, in somebody else, as you described, in professionals. Yeah. But for me, for me I've, I've looked for individuals who I know I can trust. Mm-hmm. So I've built a, a selective group of individuals, a Chinese doctor, Ayurvedic doctor, a healer, a masseuse, etc., and I have those individuals around me, a homeopath. And, and then I know that when things arise for me, I will go to them. And hopefully, you know, jar willing, that I, I won't have to be going and relying on the Western medicine and going to those hospitals or doctors where you, you, you don't know what you're going to get. And we're, we, you know, we're, what we're saying here, we're really kind of like, we're treading on ground here that it's, it's not going to be liked by the system in a way. It's not, not liking that kind of talk. But I, I don't think that it has to, of course, you can go to things that are not Western medicine, like the Ayurvedic medicine and this type of thing. And, but I don't even think it's just that. I think this is a big part that people need to move towards different ways of healing, different modalities. But I think the problem is really this this problem of integrity, and we need to have this culture uh, culture of integrity. And you see this with some famous doctors. In fact, a couple of the big ones were on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. podcast back in the pandemic, and um, one of them just started his. You know, he got. I think they, they his medical the medical board just tried to banish him, and he's filing a lawsuit. And he's one of the most uh, well uh, published doctors in the world. And he started his yeah. own kind of med- telephone medicine care with a network of doctors. And they'll prescribe things that other doctors won't for COVID and, and other things like this. And yeah. I think this is a way is going. And so I think a way to make it more holistic and not just say, okay, well, we need to change from the Western medicine to this. Because there are some good aspects of Western medicine. You can't negate everything because yeah, of— Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm, that, I'm just, I'm just making the yeah. statement. Yeah. I, I know you understand this. I think it, if we want to label the problem in a, in a more encompassing way, we should look at the integrity of people and, you know, how easily are you selling yourself out to follow the rules and, and to do this stuff for, for economic gain or, or power or whatever it is. 
and you can see the whole political world and now the medical world is is really on display showing the integrity of of certain types of people as opposed to others i mean it, going back to the pharmaceutical companies did you read that book by kennedy about uh, the real fauci and they made a documentary no. about it I'll, I'll put links into the episode description the documentary it's a two-part documentary by kennedy and it is eye-opening it is it is enlightening you know uh, when you when they look at even the statistics of the deaths of flu we think oh it's 80,000 90,000 per year this is actually incorrect it, it it's it's really like 1 or 2,000 what they're doing is they're taking anyone who died of a respiratory virus and saying it was the flu in the same way they did with coronavirus and and this type of stuff because the flu disappeared but then it looks about fauci's relationship with the pharmaceutical companies and and the pharmaceutical companies, I, I remember, I think we're about the same age, and I remember in the U.S. as a child, not as a child, but maybe like a, a young teenager, on the news all the time, and this was in probably about the mid-80s, they were saying, oh, a lot of sudden death syndrome with babies, baby sudden death syndrome. Did, did they do this in the You were probably in the U.K. at this time. And it was yeah, a lot of babies just dying all you know without any cause, and so they called it sudden baby death syndrome or something SIDS so sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I, you know, you're a kid, you don't know any different. And then about I don't know if it was six months ago, about a year ago, you start having people just randomly die in their sleep on the football field, all all these things, and they're calling it adult. Insta uh, sudden death syndrome, and we all know it's because of the poison that that they took uh, as a result of of coronavirus and everything, and they're just saying it's sudden death sy adult syndrome, and so it makes you start to think, well, why were they saying this in the mid '80s when the kids were dying, and you do a little investigation? Well, in 1983, I, I think it was, was it Reagan who then took away all the liability of the pharmaceutical companies with the 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 injections right and instead of saying well this is the result of it they were saying it's sudden infant death syndrome and the same thing they're starting to do now is saying it's sudden adult death syndrome and so we see this this orwellian way of of labeling what's happening and and uh and Many people who don't really investigate what's happening, like I did when I was a young kid, I didn't investigate, so I just accepted it. And there are many people today that are accepting it. In fact, many yogis. I was at the yoga festival talking about this to someone, and the girl just said, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Uh, and I go, oh, you you studied this? She goes, no. I go, then how do you know I'm not right? I may be wrong, but you don't know this. You didn't mm. study anything. And... and uh, this is actually going back to the the idea of the the computer, right? The phone, you know, a lot of people confuse knowledge with intelligence. I can look something up on the internet and I can get you the answer, and they think that they're intelligent, they're not, but it's just information, and it's yeah. how you use this information. And this is another issue, and I think, to deal with this. Is first, like you were talking about, is okay. Look for these other modalities. Get into this meditation. Get into eating right, yoga. Yeah, getting into your your support network. That yeah, is reliant on that. 
But then we need to learn how to focus on really understanding truth. And this is one thing that yoga is very good in getting back to this, this discussion we had on the vibration of emotions. Everything is vibration. Every thought you have is, creates a vibration, every movement you make. And in fact, one thought has a different vibration than another thought, right? If you have positive thoughts, you vibrate, your body feels differently. The same thing with negative thoughts or fear or whatever it is. And so we need to learn the vibration of truth because truth has its very unique vibration. In fact, the ultimate truth is, is the vibration we're trying to really connect to. And this is the most subtle vibration. And the way to do this is to tune yourself into the subtleties. And often people say, oh, I'm overly sensitive. Or, and what they're really talking about is they're overly reactive because being overly sensitive doesn't exist. You want to become as sensitive as you can to connect to the truth. Just the same way that most people can go into a shop and, and the salesperson can say, oh, that shirt looks good on you. And we can tell if they're being authentic or not because of the way their voice sounds or if a friend yeah. of yours lies to you, you can kind of tell because of the way they, they speak and hold the, this, communicate this idea. And so this is how you can tune into truth in a very coarse way. But we need to learn how to tune into the, the subtleties of truth. And you meet someone who's self-realized or on this path that's very close, and they can tune into this truth, and they don't have to understand what is really going on because they can tell it's true or not true based on the vibration. And this is the, the path of yoga is, is to become this, this, cultivate this sensitivity. And this is another and place we have to go. Yeah, it comes back to creating a life where you have time to listen. Because when you look at the, the intricacies within the yogic teachings, well, it's not that intricate. It's very simple, actually, you know, relating it to um, Sikh, Sikhism and Nanak, you know, in, in the mm. Japji, the, the Sunya, the, the deep listening is the beginning. And that's across the entire spectrum of religious faiths, I would I'd put my neck on the line and say that that's the beginning of of subtlety is deep listening and and when you look at the elements the way that they connect to the senses you know the smell is earth water is is taste sight is fire the sense of touch is air and deep listening is ether so it makes complete sense, doesn't it, that when you're wanting to connect to that etheric, intuitive connection, you, you're never going to do it unless you deeply listen. There, there's no way. And if, so if you're living your life without deeply listening, then you're, you're cutting yourself off from that etheric connection and experience of the etheric source within you. And that etheric source is always going to be subtle. It's never going to come up to you and, you know, hit you over the head. Well, some, maybe sometimes it does, with <laughs> the, you know, the way the karmic can, can come back round. But it, it, that's the beginning of, of intuition or what, sixth sense or whatever you want to call it, mm. is, is to stop and listen. So again, creating a lifestyle where you give yourself time to stop and 
preferably giving yourself that first thing in the morning so that you your body then has this body remembrance through the day of what it feels like to be still and intuitively connected. And then whatever arises from like we were discussing when you get triggered, you then recognize, well, that's not what I am because I connected to what I was first thing this morning. And this goes against that because it's something that has arisen and, uh, and, and will, will fade. So it's obviously impermanent, so therefore it can't be what I am. But unless you're creating a, a, a life that allows you to do that, it's going to become very difficult to, to attune to, to that guidance. And so we've got that scenario of creating time for yourself, surrounding yourself with individuals that, who you can trust and support you whenever you have a certain scenario happen to you in your life. So last week, there was a certain imbalance, you could say, that was occurring for me, and I knew exactly who I needed to get in touch with. So I got in touch with my Ayurvedic doctor, who is also fortunately a Western doctor. He trained as a Western doctor, and then he moved into Ayurveda. And so I get this beautiful balance of the two. And then I had a session with my homeopath. And it's all, I mean, it's not completely resolved, but I have much more wisdom and clarity on why it is occurring for me and how do I go about harmonizing it with at no point looking to go to the chemist or to go to the doctors and book an appointment and say, I'm helpless, help me. Yeah, I think this this two things that you you touched on are very important. One is is building this network, and this is one thing that I've mm. recognized over the past couple of it's years. The most important thing, right? Yeah, and, and I can I'll be the first to admit here on this podcast is you know in my lifetime I was very very individualistic. I mean, you see my life; I've moved around to so many places and so many countries, and and I was always looking for my experiences and saying, you know, if anything gets in this way, it's not good for me. And and I live this way and, and for good or bad, it's worked out, you know, okay. And, and I was able to do it. But then you look in the past couple of years where things have really changed and you recognize, well, maybe I didn't give enough importance to the connections in my life, to the people in my life, to the relationships. And so this is one thing I find in the last three years that I'm trying to approach differently is is how do I cultivate these connections yeah, that's a really and, good and point. value them more than I did before because while it worked out for me well in the past, in the in the present time, maybe it's not working out well because I need to learn this aspect or I need to embrace this aspect to grow even more or to to understand myself better. You know, and then we get to this idea of intimacy. And this is one thing I, I've moved around many places, and this is a great experience. But now I'm saying, okay, I need to kind of be a little more uh, stationary, not completely, but to really in, encompass what intimacy truly is, whether it's intimacy with people or places or things, but just to cultivate this idea 
And this goes with what you were saying also is this silence. And we need to cultivate silence so that we can get into the sensitivity. And I remember one experience I had is when I I had this uh, girlfriend, and she was a very silent person, someone who can just be quiet all day, no problem. And I'm, I'm this way as well. At least I thought I was until I met her. And we would sit together for hours without speaking. You know, okay, we'd speak, but only when it was important. And you realize how much I would try to speak and, and catch myself. And I'd stop myself and say, why am I saying this right now? It's because I'm starting to feel some emotion that's uncomfortable. And it's not because this is important or, or this is necessary. It's really because I'm trying to cover up some uncomfortable feelings I have. And we do this in relationships. And what I really learned with her is how to be silent and be intimate. Because intimacy really comes from the silence. And I, I learned a lot about myself trying to be silent when we're together. Not completely silent, but only speaking when it is necessary. And you start to realize how often we, we speak when it's really just to cover the silence, just to make ourselves feel better because we're uncomfortable, whether it's unconscious or conscious. And that really made Sorry, me— Andrew. Yeah, it's it's funny because I I, I thought, just th- I'm just thinking about English culture when they're they're in a waiting room or somewhere and the, there's silence and someone feels like they create this just something to say just to uh, this is really uncomfortable. Un- it's described as uncomfortable yeah, silence. Of course, and and I was well, feeling no. this with the girl that I was is my girlfriend. I was dating a woman. And then I started, well, why am I feeling necessary? And then I would really push myself to not suppress the feeling, but just not to speak. If I was doing it because it was not important in the feeling. And then I started to realize how often this happens and how to really create silence to become more intimate with someone. And and this is not just with other people, but with yourself. You know, I spent 40 days living in a cave and meditating 10 hours a day. And it's the first time I've ever even been, been camping, really. And so it was, it was an experience for me, but I didn't have a computer, I didn't have a phone, I didn't have a book, and I didn't have any paper, nothing. And I meditated 10 hours a day, slept in this cave, and, and didn't see anyone, didn't speak to anyone. And you just cultivate the silence within you, and you start to really, wow, it's really powerful. And I, I do this also when I go to the meditation retreats, even if it's a 10-day retreat or 20-day. When you stop speaking, you really start listening. And I would notice all the unconscious conversations that were happening in my mind that I was unaware of. It was almost like a third person was there talking. And this is really valuable. I, I think if you can't go to a 10-day meditation retreat, I think everyone should go alone somewhere in nature without any books, no music, no iPods, nothing for, even if it's for one week, you don't need to do 40 days or whatever I did, but just one week and just be alone with yourself. And it is powerful experience. It is, it it was one of the most incredible experiences. Yeah. And the funny thing was on day 40, I, I, I said, I wanted to take pictures to remember this experience. And down at the bottom of the mountain, there was a house where I, I kept my belongings, this guy who would leave food on the wall for me twice a day. And so I said, okay, day 40, I'm going to go down there and get my phone from him and my iPad and take some photos. And 
I remember the first day of being in the cave, I heard all the, the rats, I heard you hear the, the lizards, the, the spiders, and all the, the things moving around in the cave. And in the first couple of days of the week, I was nervous. So I said, these things are going to attack me when I'm sleeping, whatever. And then after a while, you realize, with the exception of ants, ants don't respect any harmony, but the exception of the ants, <laughs> all the other insects leave you alone. They don't want to be bothered. They didn't, they, if they saw you coming near yeah. them, they walked away. You know, you start to recognize this. And I remember on day 40, so I went down, I got my phone and my iPad, and I turned them on in the cave. And I had been without all this for 40 days. I can feel the electricity going through my hands. So powerful. It was incredible. It, like now I'm not this way because I've been around it for so long, but yeah. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then all the insects in the, the cave started attacking me when I turned these on because they felt it too. And I thought, well, if this is doing this to me and, and, and what is it doing to everyone? And now, of course, I, you feel the sensitivity if it's on your lap, the computer's on your lap for a while, but not like before. When I was in that cave and I turned that on, the vibration that was coming through my hands, just holding my phone. And people are putting that phone in their pocket. They're always with their computer, yeah. holding it to their ear. And so you start to really wonder the, uh, the, the effects of this on our, our balance. And like you said, we need to take some time off, whether it's even one day a week with no electronics or two days a week, or every morning we wake up and do our thing and don't look at the, the computer before you go to bed. Or we need to develop some habits like this. Yeah, creating that understanding of how it impacts the nervous system and having a technology that creates a nervous system that pushes back electromagnetically. Yeah. You know, the electromagnetic energy of the phone or iPad is coming in. And in a way, that's the beauty of, you know, of, of Kundalini Yoga in that it just goes, you know, it says, okay, this is coming in. Well, I'll meet you with my my electromagnetic field from, mm. from the heart. Um, and, but I felt really touched by what you were saying, you know, about finding social connection. And so we, we looked at, we talked about becoming sovereign within yourself and taking care of yourself and having the, the, a healing network around you, but then also being courageous enough to, to open up your heart at least once a day, yeah. you know, let's just say once a day, to somebody, it, whether that be in the street or, you know, like when I walk this dog regularly during the week for this uh, lady who's uh, in her mature years, let's say, and I know that she spends a lot of time on her own. So I find, I f try and find a way to, to really be open to her um, because it's not always easy. And just little moments like that in the day where you, you just be courageous enough to open your heart, even if you know you're going to get hurt or something's going to be said to you that is, is not going to be pleasing to you. Um, and there's a sense of, when you move into that kind of yogic world, yogic lifestyle, you can go the the opposite way, where you become so engrossed in your own silence and aloneness that you you forget that well, I must I must take myself out and, and engage and and communicate with people. 
Um, and I find that a, a vital point, and, and that's something that I, I've made a very conscious effort to do with my family. Mm. I've made a very conscious effort to try and go back to the UK, spend more time with them, and spend more time listening to them. And since I've been listening to them more and not talking, there's been uh, some real quantum leaps in in relating in our relating and becoming much more heart centered and much more understanding each other and harmonious, just simply by listening. It's not always easy, you know, as the, the saying goes, you know, you think you're enlightened, well then go back home and see your folks. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, but the, but the, those are just good indications of okay, where do I need to focus yeah. my attention, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I find that the you know, that listening, just sitting and listening to my father, he'll soften. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just accepting. Uh, just accepting yeah. whatever is it doesn't mean you agree, it doesn't mean you can sit no. with people that you disagree with and just accept that this is what they believe. This is and and this is uh, you know Because this, when you yeah, when you soften in that way, then you're actually you're letting go of your concepts as well. Your mm -hmm. beliefs and concepts. It doesn't matter. You're just as that unchanging awareness that doesn't really need a belief or a, a construct to, to exist. It just is. And so therefore, I think that that's where the, the naturalness then comes in. So he, when he responds in ways that normally would maybe trigger me or whatever, that I'm not bothered by them. I was like, Right, and, and then yeah, when when you're not bother. triggered and bothered by them, that person also reacts differently too because they don't they yeah. lose their wall, He's they so they drop their yeah. yeah, and and this yeah. this is a thing is to yeah learn how to really accept by being in the neutral mind and being focused on love, being focused on the heart, and I think and then it, it doesn't really matter whether they're a Christian or Muslim exactly. or Sikh or Buddhist. It, yeah. it, the, I always have this analogy that I. I teach with where a Christian or it doesn't matter who it is, a Christian or a Muslim or a Buddhist, and they come to the a table to talk and they and they it's like they put their rucksack on the table mm -hmm. and inside their rucksack is all their beliefs about who they are and what their religion is. And how can you have a, a real or a, mon a monologue, you know, where it becomes one and yeah. not a dialogue where it's, there's two. Mm. How can that occur when you're clinging so strongly to your beliefs and concepts? And, exactly. And it needs a courage to be able to let go of them and, and to be in the moment of simplicity. Right. Well, I think that sums up our, our whole idea of how to deal with th what's happening in society is, one is create a network of, of people that you can connect with, uh, whether it's alternative doctors or doctors who are of Western medicine who subscribe to the truth. Mm. And uh, then also cultivate networks of people who are striving for the same thing to create this intimacy so you can see in a very neutral way them. And you can also see yourself better as that reflection. and really cultivate integrity to be true to your word to be true to what is best 
for society to be what's best for this heart-centered world or this heart communication. I feel it's important to just add right at the end about from from working in in an environment that worked with individuals that needed medication as a support worker. Yeah. And so it's important to understand, I just want to get that across that, you know, that there are individuals that will need that support from Western medicine. Um, And so on no level am I rejecting that. Of course, of Um, course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's that arena of of working with that. Right. Because not all of us have that opportunity to not rely on. Of course. Well, on those I, things. I think this is a good way to to end this episode with this this feeling of of love that we can try to fill ourselves with. Mm. And if anything you take away from this podcast is really how to really be open and connect not just to to the people but to yourself in an authentic way. And the way you do this is a reflection of how you're connecting with the people in your life. So, thank you, Benjamin. For joining Thank me again, you. we I think this is a nice conversation. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to have you as a regular guest on my podcast because you're. Uh, we have great conversations together. I'm enjoying it. And I think the I listeners like the do. The last episode was quite popular. And so if anyone wants to get a hold of you, I'll put the links in the episode description so you could join his trainings and, uh, and connect this way. So thank you, Benjamin. Thank you. Bless. Thank you so much. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Okay, thank you for joining me today, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the program. Again, you can go on YouTube to watch this. There'll be a link in the episode description if you watch it on YouTube. Please, please like and subscribe. The same thing, I'll put it on uh, Rumble, and also you can like and subscribe there. Okay, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions.